Hello, lovely. It's Shauna Lee, and welcome back to the Soul Frequency Show podcast, where we're stepping into the light and raising our frequency together. Each week, we get to return to this sacred space to have conversations about the things we all experience in life, love, health, and career. A space where we, as spiritual beings, having this human experience, can amplify our gifts and remember our truth. The title of this episode is Living the Dream. So are you guys living the dream? This concept of living the dream. What does it really mean? What is the dream, right? It's all unique for each one of us. And we have to define that for ourselves. But there's a lot too, like embodying, stepping up to, showing up to, living your unique dream. It kind of drives me crazy sometimes when we hear about only looking at the journey of spiritual awakening or living your dream life, creating your dream life, as though it's supposed to all be a bowl of cherries and just roses and daffodils and and it's supposed to be easy, right? Because of course you look around, you think it's easy for other people, but like, it's not easy. It's just awesome and great and expansive. And the path that you chose here chose to come here, right? And take, that's what it is. Like, if you look at it as a lifelong awakening journey into this human experience and beyond this human experience that you chose to come and have, like how magnificent and incredible and brilliant are you to be able to choose this incredible journey? That's how we have to look at this, right? Living the dream isn't like, right, I'm going to go out tomorrow and live the dream and it's supposed to be easy. Living the dream is extraordinary. If you haven't noticed, not everybody is living their dream life. So let's talk about the extraordinary. Let's get realistic about all the ups and downs and ins and outs and all that good stuff, right? That makes up living the dream. And I'm thrilled to have this conversation with my guest today, Tiffany. She's awesome. And she shares some really real deal experiences around stepping into her dream. She is a former unfulfilled corporate employee turned serial entrepreneur. She's also the host of the Dream Life podcast and the founder of The Slept Life, a curated sleep marketplace that empowers you to get to bed. She's a mom, a wife, and she resides uh, in Southern California where she's chasing down her big dreams. So let's all show up together, right? Let's show up together, have real conversations, authentic conversations. Let's let go of the illusion around what the spiritual path is and what is living the dream. And instead, like, get to it, right? Get to the places that scare you, get to the places that excite you. Let's uncover this all together today. So with no further ado, please welcome Tiffany Paul to the show. Tiffany, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. So this is um, near and dear to my heart, obviously, <laughs> what we're going to talk about today. Um, 
And I want to start off with, you know, this whole concept around living the dream, right? Like, and I think there's a very homogenized like thing that we're sold about living the dream. Um, but before we go into what that really is and how do we dissect that and create something that's authentic for ourselves, maybe you can talk about how you kind of chose things in your life that you thought you were supposed to choose. So if you look back on your life journey, what are the things that you feel like your parents or society or something outside of yourself taught you to choose? Yeah. So I grew up in a small Minnesota town. We didn't grow up with much. We were, I was very financially insecure. I mean, power turned off at times, you know, landlord knocking. And so I think from an early age, you know, what was depicted in the media or the picture of, you know, happiness, success, living the dream was always, you know, getting that high paying job, the corner office, the CEO. And so very early on, I think I really took a cue from just the media, right? That my dream would be climbing the corporate ladder. I literally remember a conversation I had with my mother where I asked her, mom, what is the jobs that pay the most? And she said, like business person, doctor, architect, and engineer. And I remember at the time I was so young, even asking this question that I thought an engineer was like a truck driver. <laughs> so I think early on, I just was fascinated that about this idea of how could I earn as much money as possible? Because that must be living the dream. Yeah. And what did, what did you start to formulate in your mind, even at your youngest memories of this? Like, what were you starting to say to yourself? So Ironically, I also early on found, uh, I, I remember hearing a statistic that only 2% of female CEOs were of Fortune 500 companies were female. And I was like, well, I need to change that. And I can make a lot of money along the way. And so I think this fascination with kind of breaking the status quo and making a lot of money led me to this dream of looking for the biggest companies in the world. And that is where I set my eyes on. And after college, I did end up getting a job with the biggest consumer goods company in the world. And I spent 10 years there, but I think it was around halfway through that I realized, you know, as someone who really in their heart and soul wants to break down some barriers and bust the status quo, it feels like it's a really tiny box. And I don't know that I'm really making the impact or living the dream as it was described to me. And, you know, I had the six figure salary at that point I was married. I had two kids. And so I had stepped away, you know, um, into a kind of that second definition of living the dream. Right. So I had the six figure salary and the job, but now I also had the family. I had the, the boy and the girl. And even though it did take us three years to conceive, you know, on paper, I had everything that society told me should make me happy. Yet there was still something kind of missing. And looking back on it, I think the thing that was most missing in my life that we don't talk about is just, I was in a box where I couldn't really show up as my authentic self and be true to who I was. And in the absence of living your life authentically, can you ever truly say you're living the dream? And so I think that was really like my first point in questioning everything. <laughs> and it's been a journey ever since. So what is like, what is a time that you can go back to, or maybe you have a memory of different times um, in your, let's just take your business life, right. Mm -hmm. Where you looked around and said, I'm not sure this is it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I remember my very first business meeting in corporate America, where we all came together as a team. We were 
remote employees and everybody was talking about how a certain plan wasn't going to work and how basically just being very negative. And I remember speaking up and saying, well, instead of focusing on the negative, why don't we focus on the positive? And I remember like jaws dropped and they were just like, whoa, like we don't talk directly here. We don't, you know, you don't kind of speak out of turn. I think I learned early on that, you know, there was a certain kind of corporate game that you had to play and that I was going to have to contort and mold myself into a version of me that wasn't my highest and truest and brightest self. So I think that was a pivotal point where I first kind of was like, hmm, I'm not sure if I can fit myself into this box. But, you know, honestly, I left the corporate job in 2019. And I think a second moment for me was when I took that leap, leaving the six-figure salary, downsizing my entire life, my house, my cars, my lifestyle, everything in order to make that leap work. And again, society tells you, once you just leave the soul-sucking job, you'll be happy. Once you're your own boss, you'll have all the freedom. And, you know, I had been an entrepreneur on the side for several years. So I wasn't new to the fact that entrepreneurialism is often glamorized and kind of, you know, painted as this picture of, you know, bliss and freedom. I, I knew the reality of it. But I think a second point of the story for me was when I took that leap and it was like, this is still not it. And I think it was that second moment where I was like, okay, now this is, I've done the corporate dream. I've done the, you know, family and mom dream. I've done the entrepreneurial dream. At what point do we get real about what truly lights us up and creates a life of meaning and fulfillment beyond just our job and our titles? I'm so glad you bring this up because we talk about it a lot in a small group program I have called the Soul Frequency Experience. And in fact, right at this moment, there are a couple of people um, navigating this. But what's so fascinating is that we as adults don't give ourselves the space to explore. So Mm -hmm. we're always trying to get there, right? Get to a result, like get to happiness or get to fulfillment or get to this. And we, we, so our egos, right? So need to hit that mark and get it right. That, that people will say to themselves like, well, this isn't it. It must be that. And Mm -hmm. then immediately I run over there. Right. And then I'm like, well, this isn't it either. And then it must be that, right? Mm -hmm. It's like shiny object syndrome. And, and the truth is, is that many times what's going to ultimately fulfill us at a soul level is nothing that's even on our egoic minds radar, right? Mm -hmm. Like, yes, so far outside the box that, that only through allowing ourselves the freedom to explore do we actually allow that to rise? So it's not so much like a point to get to, but something that births within you. And I so remember listening to your story, you know, in my life, like when I decided to, you know, leave my career and I decided to, you know, really say, who am I in the world and step into that, that my ego was like, right, I should be able to do this in a week, right? Like, let's Mm -hmm. just make this changeover happen. (laughs) Let's just get this done. And let's just be in this whole new life. When truly anything, right, anything that we do evolves over a period of time. We don't just, you know, change everything on a dime. We start going, oh, this is interesting. And we start, you know, kind of cultivating energy over there and starting to, you know, give our attention to something new and it starts to build and grow. So what did you discover as you, you know, left corporate America and you were like, right, let's, you know, step into entrepreneurship 
And where are you on the path of like really discovering, I call it the missing piece, right? That, that thing that you're looking for. And do you identify that thing at this point? So of course you would mention the permission to play because that's really where that journey did lead me. I think I'm still in it, but I definitely hit a point like a rock bottom where I just had to question everything where it was like, that wasn't it. And this wasn't it. And I think there's a lot of guilt and shame and even embarrassment for me and maybe others that comes with being that honest with yourself that I can have so much, such a beautiful life, but it's still, you know, like you said, there's that missing piece. And so I really had to do some, it was pulling up a lot of, you know, inner child work and kind of some stuff that needed to be healed. And in the absence of knowing where to go, the only thing that I knew was that I had to give myself permission to play and explore. And I really, you know, spent some time experimenting with writing and I started a podcast and even just like doing things for fun, like painting or going to the beach. And I really just gave myself permission to play. I had realized at that point that, you know, the five-year plan, the 10-year plan and the goals and the ego-driven desires, you know, had really not gotten me anywhere closer to really fulfilling what I, maybe what you would call my soul's mission. I think it was all part of the journey, but I knew that what had gotten me this far would no longer take me to that next level. And so since then, I've really loved using my voice more. And the Dream Life podcast was born from that rock bottom moment, from that permission to play. Because up until that point, like many high achievers and overachievers, it's really hard to give yourself permission to do anything just for fun or because you want to, especially if you're a mom. I had two under two when I left my corporate job. You know, I had a lot of uh, responsibilities like so many. And it was in that moment that I finally gave myself permission just to do something because I wanted to do it. And to me, that was the first kind of truth or clue or foundational piece, like a a piece of the puzzle that I have kind of put in my toolbox. And I think that will exist with me as I continue to complete the puzzle where I really think that just giving yourself permission to play and do things because you want to do them is part of living the dream. You know, I believe that, you know, we are all love and light. We're souls having human experience. And if you think about a vibrational match, of course, we would be a vibrational match for things that we love, people we love. And so when I started giving myself permission to do something simply because I wanted to do it because I enjoyed it, I started to feel more me. Yeah, it's so, um, what's so cool about what you shared, the story you shared about being in the corporate environment and going into a meeting and really using your voice, right? Like saying, Mm -hmm. oh, right, this is a group meeting. And certainly if we want, you know, to make the product better or this business better or people's lives better, we should all use our voices, right? In this group setting to better the system. And yet many people learn in a corporate setting, it becomes much more about politics and about, you know what I mean? Like yes. the whole stigma of the group rather than actually doing something that's effective and wonderful. And that's, what's frustrating for a lot of people in large companies is that stuff takes over from the bigger picture of why are we here? Why am I g- giving my time and energy to this company? Yes. Um, and how are we really helping people? But what's so beautiful is in that moment, right? you spoke up 
you used your voice and then you saw other people's reactions and said, oh, maybe I can't be myself here. But isn't it beautiful that, you know, a few years later, you start a podcast where on a podcast, you have to speak up mm-hmm. and use your voice and that it's in yes. a way that you can be honored and that you can help people's lives. And so for anybody listening, um, you know, our past leaves clues. And many times the areas that we've felt the most shut down, whether that's in our family system or with friends or teachers or in a corporate environment, when we have been ourselves, right, showed up authentically and someone said, no, you're to this, you're to that, you know, you can't say this, you can't do that. Those are the clues of like, that's your authenticity, wanting to, you know, see the light of day and wanting to express itself. And how do you use those seeds of authenticity in a forum that honors that? And so I think it's just really cool that that was the example that you Mm -hmm. gave in the corporate setting. And then here we're talking about your wonderful podcast and about using your voice. Yes, I love that kind of that full circle moment. And I do think it is funny because when you said that, I was like, well, I'm going to give you this early point, which is not like the point that I decided I want to leave or anything, but that was a point where it was like, whoa, I can't be myself here. And ironically, when I started my podcast unexpectedly, it was a huge healing opportunity for me because I realized I'd spent 10 years in corporate America, really filtering what I said, who I was. I grew, I did grow up in a childhood where I didn't feel seen and heard. And so suddenly I had the audacity to think that I could show up on a podcast, share my story, encourage others to redefine living the dream for themselves. And, you know, I'm not an influencer. I'm not a, you know, I don't have the corner office. Like, why would I have the audacity to speak on this? And what I did is I doubled down and I started doing daily episodes because I was like, I'm going to prove to myself that my voice deserves to be heard if only for me and myself and to remember who I truly am and to share my gift with the world, even if just one person hears it. And the beautiful thing about that podcast is not only was it an opportunity to step into my truth, do something that I love, it ended up being a healing opportunity where now I feel, you know, so confident using my voice that, you know, I'm now connecting as a guest on other podcasts and showing up on IG live and TV and all of that, like IGTV, not actual TV, but it was a beautiful healing opportunities. And so I think it's all tied together. Like I said earlier, it's like, I think everything is meant to be, it's all learning opportunities. It's all leading us exactly to where we're supposed to be at the perfect timing. So true. So because I know so many people that listen to the show and so many people just in the world are on the threshold or the precipice of making big changes in their life, I think it's important to talk about like what has you step over that threshold. So for you in 2019, like where were you? What were you feeling? What were you thinking that had you actually make the choice to let's say give notice and leave your career? And then second part of this is how did that affect like your family and the people in your life and what kind of conversations did you have to have? Because I think when we're going to make a big change in our life, we're we're scared on many fronts, right? Like things are going to change and you're not exactly able to control all that change, but also other people in your world are affected by those changes. So how'd you navigate that? 
Mm-hmm. So for me, the catalyst to actually leaving was a conversation with my therapist where, you know, I had employed a therapist because I was just at, at towards the end, having just breakdowns over the smallest things. I think that's what happens when you start to bury kind of those soul whispers. It kind of, you act them out in other ways. You project onto other people and situations. And so I was in therapy, just crying again for the millionth time over like the smallest thing that happened at work. And the reason I was in therapy is because I was trying to make sense of why was I having these massive reactions? Actions to these small things. And I remember the moment so clearly, and I'm sharing in case it resonates for anybody listening, where she looked up at me and she was like, you don't have to stay. And as simple as the advice was, when you have the six-figure salary and the home and the lifestyle and you know the stroller you want and the clothes you want and the car you want, it's it sounds so superficial now, but when you start creating this lifestyle, sometimes you forget that you actually can walk away because the reality is in walking away from a six-figure salary, you have to adjust your lifestyle. And that, in my instance, did involve my partner. And the advice I give often to, I'm going to tie it back, but the advice I give often to people who are getting married or about to become a mom, and I always remind them to not and do their best not to lose themselves in those titles. And in marriage in particular, I've always been one to, we both have been one, our, our relationship has been centered around being ourselves and having time for ourselves and supporting each other from the very beginning. And when you build a foundation in your relationship that says, I'm going to be me and you're going to be you and we're going to support each other at the same time, you know, when conflict arises, we'll work it, work it out in therapy. And, you know, it's not like we're never going to change ever because part of being in a relationship is you do have to grow and conform and go with one another, right? Through this journey called life, the ups and the downs as people grow and evolve. But I think I've always been me and really good about asking for what I want and what I need in a relationship. And so when you have that tool and that trust with your partner, it didn't come as any surprise to him when I came to him and I just said, I can't do it anymore. I need to you know, be happy. I don't feel like this is where I belong. And I just didn't feel like getting another job was the answer. At that point, I did have a side hustle that was about four years old and I really had confidence I could scale it. And so I came to him with a plan, you know, a six month plan of how we would save aggressively for six months, a house that we could, you know, move our things into, um, you know, just a new kind of budget. And I think when you kind of spring something like this on somebody, honoring the fact that they would be sacrificing something too, because, you know, he obviously was part of this lifestyle we had created. And I think just honoring that instead of ignoring it, you know, it, it, he, he was making a sacrifice and then coming with a plan. And I think that when you're in a relationship that is supportive, they'll get behind you. And I do also believe that when you're really convicted and firm in what you want, you naturally project that energy to those you speak with. If you are unsure or not quite there yet, sometimes you might, I think, bring that, mirror that energy back and hear it from the other. So I recommend just getting really confident and sure with yourself by creating a plan, you know, and then coming to them with action steps forward. But to me, that moment in therapy where she was just simply reminding me I could leave was all I needed to bring that kind of energy, that conviction to my husband. And, you know, thankfully he's been so supportive. So beautiful. It, the word permission comes up and it's so interesting because there are all kinds of things that we do in life and we don't even give ourselves permission to change those. 
we don't even, it doesn't even register that that's a possibility. Like, and it's so fascinating when you start to tap into like infinite possibility, everything is changeable and everything is always in motion. But when we are, you know, living out this egoic construct of like what life should be, like there's all kinds of things, like people, even some of the things that you mentioned, like, you know, maybe you, you drive a different car or you downsize your house or you, you know, you make financial changes. Like it doesn't even dawn on people sometimes like, oh, I could just get a different car. Oh, you know, I'm going to make this change because it's what's in my soul and in my heart. Right. And ultimately things don't make us happy. And I think that's one of the things that you realize, like when you start to have a soul call is you can look at your life and say, maybe I have certain things, right, that are life comforts, but they don't ultimately deliver you happiness, right? They don't deliver you fulfillment. So how would you say that life has changed for you in the whole concept around things? And when you, at the height of maybe, you know, your career and your, you know, what you were making, like, what was going on in your head around, you know, the lifestyle you had built and the things that you had, and then the divergence of how you were feeling within yourself? Mm -hmm. I first want to start by saying it was actually way harder than I thought it would be. I, you know, consciously and, you know, even statistically, we know money doesn't bring us happiness. And, but I think me, like I made like a high six figure salary. When you take that chunk of change out, that's a huge lifestyle difference. And I didn't come from much. So I thought it would be much easier than it actually was. And I think the hardest thing for me was coming to terms with admitting money was important in my life because when you choose to spend it on things like experiences or time freedom or childcare or you know things to keep your health up, it really does impact your life. I'm not talking about, I didn't miss the car. I didn't miss the clothes. I didn't miss even the house. I didn't miss the actual material thing. So that was actually much easier. But I think the harder part of taking such a down uh, pay or a pay cut was letting go of the things that had provided me more freedom. And so the other part is that my business that I originally left my job for was in the travel space. And that eventually I grew that to multiple six figures in that first year since I left my job, but it required a huge investment. And then in 2020, travel completely halted. So not only had I downsized my entire life, I was relying on this business to fund it. And overnight, it went from multiple six figures to zero dollars. So once again, I had to, it was like challenge number two. And, you know, I think when, what I want to, why I want to mention this is because I think sometimes when you take this leap, you know, you're acting in faith, you're acting in trust. And for me, that, journey has been a two year long kind of struggle internally with my ego, um, with my childhood stuff coming back up as, you know, financial uncertainty came forward with the pandemic, all the things. It took me two years to finally feel like I'm more on stable ground. I'm not even like you asked me earlier, have you figured it out? I'm clear that writing and speaking are something I want to lean more into. I have since started a second business in the sleep space, but I just want to acknowledge this because I think so many of the stories we hear is that when you leave the job, when you jump, the the net will appear. And in hindsight, yes, the net always appeared. I am okay. Opportunities did come in. But when you spend a year 
for two years, kind of waiting for those net and you're kind of controlling the timing and wanting it to work out this way. I went kicking and screaming, but I, I was okay. And I think sometimes we think, oh, it won't be okay for six months or a year. And it was really a two year journey. And so I just want to put that out there because, you know, there may be some learning opportunities and challenges along the way, but it was from those darkest moments that I really came home to the truth of who I am and what I want out of life. And that's worth so much more than money. Yeah. And I'm so glad you said that because it, like I said, you don't transfer over to another frequency is really what's happening in a week, a month, or even a year. Mm -hmm. And, and just like you built your other life, right. Built off of your ego over probably decades, right? Or mm -hmm. at yep. least a decade or so. Um, it takes that time. Yeah. And, you know, I think the ego's like, well, I won't let go of this ego built life until I know for sure, right? I can yep. solidify this soul built life. But then that's really just your ego saying that, right? Like, yes, that's how you know your ego is still driving your car because the ego will be like, well, I'm not letting go of, you know, what's behind door number one till I can see exactly what's behind door number two. And I make sure I like yes. all of that, right? Yes. And, and so many times I would even be like, I want to go back just because it was of course. Safe. And of it's like, course. that's how your ego tricks you into you know, thinking what, you know, if it's not tricks you, but it just wants safety. It wants comfort. It's like, let's go back. And it's like this constant battle of head versus heart where I had to like remind myself daily, like, no, that's not your path. Well, and with you, like you're the perfect example of a story, right? Like, so you have built up this corporate business, you built up a side business, it's making great money, you're going to leave the corporate business, and you're going to scale your side business. And then the pandemic happens, and everything goes away. Like, guys, if something like this goes on in your life, this is absolutely your divine path, right? Because exactly. sometimes people will say to me, like, I just feel like I changed this and then this changed and then this changed. It just seems like so many things, right? If somebody is experiencing something like that, you have a very big divine mission that's in the process of unfolding. And for that divine mission to unfold, you have to clear all the ways the ego is running the show. And that's the part that you're talking about that's so difficult and emotional and where you feel like you're almost having temper tantrums and having problems letting go of certain things because that is the parts of your life that your ego says you have to have this to be okay. It's an ego death, right? Mm -hmm. So to let go of those things is literally to allow that ego-driven life to come apart totally so something else can be can be built, right? And created. It's not fun. It's not like, I mean, tears shed, come on, like lots, right? And, and even as much as you want to live your soul led life, like, just like anything in life, you still grieve what you're letting go of. Yes. Right. But I will say that for most of the people that whom I've been involved in their transformation and for mine personally, that if you're willing to walk through that fire, right? For a period of time, it can be two years, it can be three years, it can be four years. Like it's a period of time and it's substantial and you go through a lot. But on the other side of that, what you can create in the world will totally eclipse anything you've done in your past. And, and it will come from a place of authenticity. And that feels really darn good. Yeah, I agree. I think that- walking through the fire, it is, it was the hardest thing I've ever gone through. 
And it felt literally like I was dying on a daily basis for months. And it was hard because you're just grieving over and over and over again, this idea that you had for your life, this idea that society is, you know, is really conditioned so many of us to believe will make us happy. And uh, how I thought it would go, you know, taking the leap from corporate America, I had so many parts of me that I was grieving and healing. And it was one of the hardest parts of my life. And I remember so many people telling me, you know, well, you know, you're, you're going to come out of this so much stronger and, you know, more real. And I just remember thinking, I don't care. I just want the pain to stop. It hurt that badly. And again, I'm only sharing this because I think in the moment, one of the things that exacerbated the pain was feeling so alone in this, because you hear all these stories of taking the leap and it's so wonderful. You don't hear the stories of the ego deaths. I mean, they're there. Um, but I think so many of us too, we have such utter faith that it's going to work out for us. We act in faith. If you're listening into this podcast, you, you're acting in, you know, likely faith, you're, you're connected to your intuition, your soul, but sometimes the way our mind thinks it's going to go, of course, is our soul has different plans. And I fully believe that my soul chose to leave my job at that time for me to hit that rock bottom so that I could come out the other side. And I have no doubt in my mind that it was all divine timing and perfection. And I love who I've become, but it was a two-year process. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's so interesting because looking back on my journey, like I say to myself, had I known what the path was, like, what if, what if I had the courage, you know, the courage to follow it? Like if I would have seen the future, right. And everything that was going to unfold, would I follow that? And I ask myself that question often because, because I try to get back into like, what was my consciousness at that time? It's hard to remember who we yeah. were years ago, right? Um, and I think the answer is yes. At some point I would have no matter what, but I also think the fact that, you know, we enter into, let's say our own spiritual path and our own spiritual stuff from the point of the ego, because really we do, right? Like we, our ego says, right, I want to live a more spiritual life and this is how I want it to go. And I want to see behind door number two immediately. Yeah. And here's um, a five-year plan to get there. Yeah, exactly. Like here's how it's going to go. And, and yeah. the, divine, the divine's like, <laughs> yes. right. Um, but but I I think that that's okay too, right? That That sometimes like our ego, you know, our soul is speaking through just enough to get through to that ego, even though the ego is still kind of driving the car to say, look over here, right? See, there's something missing, right? Like that's how it'll come up for people. Like there's something missing or I don't feel good in my life or I'm looking around thinking I should feel amazing because my life is great, but I don't. And that's confusing, right? It's confusing yeah. when you've hit all your goals and you, you know what I mean? And you have like all the trinkets of life and you don't feel good. Yeah. Cause like, if you don't feel like your exterior life is great, then you keep saying to yourself, well, I got to keep going. Right. I just have to do more. I have to, you know, make more money. I have to, whatever it is to feel good. But when you actually have ticked those boxes off, right. Of like, Hey, I've reached a good point in my career. I've got a you know, wonderful family and you still don't feel good inside. It's very confusing. And, and if you listen to that, that authenticity, like that's going to lead you exactly where you are meant to go. And so what we're saying here today is like, yeah, it's a path. It's not a change on a dime. Yeah. And I think that you touch on an important piece of something I've learned 
deeply now in this journey is it's not just about redefining living the dream for yourself. It's about getting honest about what does it look like to create a life that you love and is meaning because meaningful because like you said our instinct in this society is to work harder and do more when we are unhappy and it's this perpetual cycle that so many of us are in and I still fight it but the thing that I've changed most around the way I approach my day-to-day to-do list and my business and my life is that I am no longer interested in sacrificing my present moment, my life in the here and now in exchange for an unpromised future. Because life has taught me that whatever my ego desires or whatever goals I have, while sure it's maybe okay to have them, there's no guarantee that you're going to arrive. So I force myself to slow down and actually enjoy my life. When I looked around and saw, you know, pure exhaustion, whether you're a stay-at-home mom, whether you're a working mom, whether you're a corporate employee, an entrepreneur, whether you're a male, whether you're a female, everybody is exhausted. And rightfully so, there's a lot on our plates, but the only thing we can do, you know, if, if it is available to you, and sometimes that might mean, you know, setting boundaries, leaving the job is to slow down. And so in an effort to live my dream life, I've had to stop working and doing and achieving to a point where I'm burning myself out and leaving myself fully depleted at the end of the day. So giving myself permission to go slowly and fill my day with things that I love means that I'm not going to be as productive. And when you let go of being as productive and efficient and getting all the things done, I can actually enjoy my life. And so this is my definition of living the dream. It's going to look different for everybody else. And don't get me wrong. Like I'm still a hustler. I have a business and a podcast and two kids under two and I work, but I've just shifted the way I see my life, but it wasn't easy because the ego mind tells me I'm not enough unless I do more. And I'm not enough unless my bank account hits X, Y, Z. And so it's a constant reminder that that is the old way of thinking. That's the ego mind. And I'm no longer interested in that. And so hopefully anybody listening beyond just redefining what does living the dream look like, consider that living the dream exists outside of work. That life is about living and enjoying our life, not just achieving and doing and building the business and doing the thing. Yeah, that is so powerful. And you know what takes up so much energy too? Living inauthentically. Yes. Right? Sucks Mm -hmm. the life out of you. Like people don't even realize it. Like we don't even realize how when we're just out of alignment with ourself, it takes so much more energy to like, you have to like think how you're supposed to show up instead of just showing up, right? Like like that alone is exhausting. And, And I feel like so many people right? Because of the way society molds us, like so many people are living inauthentically, right? Even to choosing partners that they don't ultimately want to be with, right? Like because that partner fits a box or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Supplies something to them, like almost in exchange. And it's like, it is tough to look over your life and see all the things like, like beginning to become present with all the things that are not authentic, right? That can be overwhelming. Was that overwhelming? I was going to say, yes. I had this moment, a very, uh, a moment I, I remember so clearly where I was like, oh my gosh, 
I've spent my entire life fitting in, whether it be, you know, feeling like an outsider in the small Minnesota town, like the black sheep of my family, you know, 10 year corporate career, even being an entrepreneurship, I feel like there's this like picture of what it means to be an entrepreneur or like a podcaster, like who is worthy enough to have a binge worthy podcast. There's like all these buckets I found myself continually trying to fit into and measure up to. And the only place in my life that I, I could connect to who I truly was, was with my partner and with my closest friends, but that's it. We like so many of us, it's so easy to show up inauthentically. And I think even just with most jobs, the word professionalism, it's like that to me, like the more I think about it is it's a version of us, but it's not our truest self. Like we don't come out of the womb, you know, like, hello, there is white space. Nice to meet you. Like, let's talk numbers. (laughs) Like we all have to show up as this version of us for our job, not all, but many people in the corporate space have to show up as this version of us. And I get it, right? We can't just be unprofessional and offend people, but I do agree with you is that when you really reflect on all the times we are conforming and molding ourselves into a version of us that is not entirely us, it is exhausting and the amount of people pleasing and honoring other people's needs, whether it be like your coworkers, your boss, your kids, your partner ahead of your own, it's just exhausting. And I think that the more, the quicker you can come back to prioritizing yourself first and foremost, the quicker you will see your energy return. To me, I'm just a firm believer that honoring your own energy is going to make you a better partner, a better parent, a better employee, just a better version of you, your, your truest authentic self, because the depleted you is also not your fully authentic self, maybe, you know, a fraction of you. But I think that it is exhausting when you're constantly looking to show up in the world differently than who you really are. Yeah. And you know, what's weird is that you can cause a response in somebody just by flashing them a look, right? Like a disapproving mm-hmm. look will cause somebody to adjust themselves. Like they will feel that energy and they will adjust who they're being in that moment based on that. And I'm not saying like run out and try this everywhere, but if it happens to occur in your life, right? Where someone does this to you or you do this to them, you realize how quickly we as human beings are to to forsake ourselves and to adjust to whatever our environment tells us to the point where you don't even need someone to say something to you. If they just flash you a disapproving look, you start questioning yourself. Yeah. And I think this time home was really good for a lot of us because I think it's remembering this is who I actually am without those looks and without maybe some of the office, you know, environment, some of those things that do influence us to act in a different way. And I think it's likely possible that this time working at home, people are able to feel what it's like to show up more as their authentic self. And I mean, I think this is all also part of the divine plan that we all just remember who we truly are because it's from that power that we can really start living in our purpose. And, you know, tying it back to our conversation about living the dream, it's like the the nuances that exist in each and every one of us, the gifts, the talents, the desires, the priorities, the personalities, yet we really are given these just few buckets as to what it looks like to live the dream and the good life. And I just become so passionate about breaking down this idea of what it means to live the dream because, because we are so different and unique, it would be impossible that the 
the stories passed down from us from society would apply to all of us or even a majority of us. Like you mentioned earlier in the corporate space, we show up acting, we start mirroring each other's behavior. We all start conforming. And I think it's just time to remember our uniqueness or individuality. And from that place, we can truly create our definition of living the dream versus, you know, the conformity that so many of us are being pulled into in so many different avenues of our life. Yeah, so true. So tell everyone where they can find your podcast to get more of this goodness. Yes. So it's the Dream Life Podcast with Tiffany Paul. We just wrapped season one, which was all about kind of getting real about this, you know, leap from corporate America and the ups and downs along the way. And season two will be kicking off soon, really honoring more of, you know, breaking down more barriers in regards to the status quo and society's definition of living the dream. So that'll be launching shortly. So if you just subscribe, you'll be notified when we come back, but, and you're a guest on there as well talking about the new world that we are creating here. So yeah, Dream Life Podcast, or I'm on Instagram as well at Tiffany Nicole Paul. Beautiful. This has been an awesome conversation. I think it's such an important time to be talking about this because there's just a lot of change we've been through over the past couple of years and a lot more that's going to evolve for each of us as individuals. So we need to know we're not alone. And that's why I love that you created your podcast. Like it's so important to support each other through big changes and through transformation. And, you know, when you have people around you who get it, it's amazing. So thank you, Tiffany, for coming and hanging out with us. Thank you so much for having me and supporting everybody else listening to Create Their Dream Life. I'm Shauna Lee, and you've been listening to the Soul Frequency Show podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Soul Frequency. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this show. Join me next week for more powerful awakenings and positive vibes.